Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real, Raw and Random. My name is Troy and this week the podcast might sound a little bit different. Disclaimer, disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Always always leave with a disclaimer. I normally record on my desk with my microphone propped up, but this week it's a Monday night. I'm feeling super lazy. It's 20 past seven. I could, and I, and I have my podcast ready and I'm feeling a little bit tired and my desk is messy and I could like clean it and tidy it and have it all set up in 20 minutes. But by then, I know that I'm not going to want to sit down and record. So instead, I just brought my equipment over to my bed. It's a new low, but we got some good stuff to talk about. First up, at the end of last episode, I completely forgot and was reminded by my younger sister after I recorded that it's been over 12 months since beginning this podcast, and I never made note of it, which is typical of me. I'm terrible at remembering like little anniversaries, sometimes people's birthdays, all that kind of stuff. And firstly, thank you. If you have been listening from the beginning, thank you doesn't, thank you doesn't even come close to what I should, how I feel about it. But like, what else can I say? But like, thank you, thank you. A million thank yous for sticking with it because, let's be honest, I'm happy to self be, um, let you guys know that if you listened from the beginning, it's definitely changed and it's definitely grown and, well, I hope it has anyway. And I'm just so, so, so grateful for the person that I've become a year on from doing so. Because a year and a half ago, I honestly wouldn't, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't have the self-confidence I have now. I didn't have, I have the self-confidence now that I dreamed of having back then. And I'm not an arrogant narcissist in any way because like nobody wants that. And like for sure, there's self awareness that I have now from doing this on and off, let's be honest, for twelve months because it's only the last couple of months that I've really been keeping a steady weekly or bi weekly episode chain coming along and if you, I, like, I did take some breaks towards the end of, in the middle of last year. And if you're new and you're unaware of why I took those breaks and want to know more about that, go back in through your feed and check out the episode that's called Foundation. And I kind of, in a way, broke down why I took breaks and how important it is to do so and the stigma behind all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the a year and a a year and a half ago I would have honestly I didn't have I was I was broken in a way. And this kind of has healed me in a way. 
and it's made me so much more self-confident that I never, ever had. Never. And I'm not saying that if you're in a place right now where you don't know who you are or you don't you don't truly deep down love yourself. We're going deep. I'm not saying for you to start a podcast, but I'm saying what you should do and what has changed and allowed me to evolve is having something. Having something that may be creative. Like, for me, this literally fuels my creative soul. I love creating content and I love being able to communicate mainly just to get the sometimes the thoughts out of my head but also to give an opinion and insight into a thought that you also might be having listening to this in your car right now. But yeah, so if you are feeling lost and you're feeling a little bit to the side, find that find that creative thing. Find that find that thing that's gonna fuel you. Because it's out there. Let me it could be anything at all. Drawing. It could be um doing up furniture. It could be everything anything. Anything that's creative I know for sure is what really has allowed this evolution into the person I am now, sitting on my bed, cross-legged, talking into a microphone, and then hitting publish and sending it out to who knows how many people, which we're going to get into later, because we're going to get into some astronomical numbers with some news topics. But first up, I promised some... I, I promised part two on the MasterChef conversation, and we're going to get to that. But first, farm chat. A little bit of farm chat to start with. It's planting at the moment. It's planting time. It's autumn. It's planting cane, which is long days, exhausting, rah, rah, rah. We've got a new um, big machine harvested, delivered a couple of weeks ago now, and I was going to also talk about this in the last episode, but I got distracted by chatting about reality TV. Which, thank you to all the people that reached out and said how much they enjoyed that. Because I'm glad that I can open up my own opinions. And sometimes I feel like, in my head, I'm like, am I the only one that's thinking this? And then to receive back people that also agree is just, it's great. But yeah, farm chat. So the harvester, it left, um, it got, it was purchased up around 12 hours north of where I live. So it came on a truck, took two days to come here. Showed up on a Thursday afternoon and the truck driver went to open the door and it was locked. And he looked panicky. You should have seen the wash of panic that came over this guy's eye, his face and his whole body. Because he didn't have no keys to get into that door. That's right. He had no keys to get into the door. So he was panicked completely. Because for reference, a cane harvester is 
the price of like a small home. It's it's very expensive. It's a huge machine. And when you're the driver, you, you're meant to deliver the machine without any hiccups or anything like that. So it was a scramble of a, a mess. Neighbours had to come and come back. They came with keys. They were the wrong keys. Then they had to come and come back again. And finally, lo and behold, two hours later, the machine drove off. And it's been great. It's cool having new machinery around. Kind of keeps things exciting around the place. So that's quick farm chat, quick farm update. It's finally cooled off a little bit, which is brilliant. But I made a bit of a boo-boo. It was... It was super cloudy one day, and I was like, oh, I won't need to wear sunscreen today, it'll be fine. Anyway, make that mistake once, you get burnt on a cloudy day. But anyway, it's not too bad, it didn't peel or anything, so ramble, 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 Master Chef Chat. Part two is the big part. I'm moving around and getting comfier. So, when we left off, I had, was 18, 19? 18. I was 18 or 19 and I left the first audition. So they said, please come back and audition and rah, rah, rah. The next year came and I didn't audition. I just didn't feel like I was ready this time. I think that kind of, I kind of, in a way that they kind of beat me down, they also, they also made me feel good at the same time, but made me feel like don't come back in a year, come back in two years. So I didn't. I didn't come back that year. I came back the following year. And I got through. And this time it was different. This time you didn't just show up with your food and stand in front of them and they tasted it. This time it was like the TV show. It was what they call a mystery box. If you've never watched MasterChef, a mystery box is pretty much self-explanatory. It's a box with food underneath it. It's covered. You don't know what you're going to cook. So you go into this big commercial kitchen, and I'm talking this commercial kitchen was huge. I think there was around 15 to 20 people. Yeah, I'd say 15. Let me be. Let me be frank. This was mm, quite a few years ago now. The details are going to be slightly sketchy, but a lot of it I can remember. So uh, there was about 15, 20 people. Again, I was probably one of the, I was the youngest by this time, probably at least five to five to 10 years. Most people were their late twenties. By this stage, I was age 20. Yeah, I was 20. And I was the youngest by at least five years possibly closer to 10. A lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s, they were people that had like strong careers. I was just a little business student farm boy from four hours north in the country. But anyway, I met some really amazing people this time. But first, like when you first show up to one of these things, everyone's really quite timid. Although there's either two types of people that a lot of people are really quite timid. I myself am quite timid when I walk into a new situation. I've got to suss it out. And a lot of people are like this. Then there were the people that were just super open personalities and they were like, 
just loud. They were loud and they were boisterous and they were the type of people where if someone in a situation asks any questions, their hands up before the person speaking can say questions. They're like, any questions, their hands are already up. They're those types of people. You have quite a few of those, but you have a lot of people that are timid and still kind of figuring it out. And so that's cool. So anyway, you walk in, and also because it's competition at the same time, you're kind of, you're vying for a spot in the next stage. you got to beat these people. So, and by back then, five years ago, I was so much more competitive than what I am now. Back then, you couldn't play Monopoly without, without me without ruining relationships and friendships. I was super competitive and I still am, but I've grown and evolved and changed in a way that I now know when to bring it out and how to bring my competitive side out to a level that's fun and competitive, but not overbearing and ruining of games. (laughs) Not that I like really ruined games, but I was super competitive. I, I still loved, like, I still really like to win. And I was, I was a little bit of a bad loser. And I'm happy to self-awareness say that now. But, you know, you learn and you grow from those type of things. So, anyway, you get in. It's covered by a tablecloth. They, you don't bring anything. You don't bring any of your equipment. You literally just bring yourself and your personality. That's what they say. They literally say, just bring yourself and your personality. So, yeah, so the, um, and the TV cameras are going to be there. TV cameras, mic booms, the whole thing. They're giving you, literally, they're throwing you in the deep end. And they do this with about six groups, I think, in the state I'm in. And I think they do that with nearly every state around Australia. So it's a big, like, audition process. This isn't just a small kind of thing. Anyway, so the, I think you get an hour from what I can remember, to do the cooking. And you can cook anything. What's out of the box, you just got to use what's out of the box. Plus, there's like a, a big main station of like lots of like staples. Excuse me. So, you, so the clock starts. And underneath there, there was like a full like fish. There was chicken. There was Brussels sprouts. There was bacon. There was pumpkin... I can't remember everything that was under there because it was like five years ago now. There's quite a lot of things. Anyway, so first you're like, you're panicked a little bit to begin with because for the first five minutes, I feel like I was kind of like frozen, just like observing everything going, holy bleep and bleep, what is going on? Like, what has your life become, Troy? Like, how are you like down here in the middle of a big city cooking in a giant commercial kitchen. I'm talking giant. I'm talking I stuck my hands like you could have stuck your hands out and not touched the competitor beside you. This kitchen was huge. Big gas ovens. It was a big like commercial kitchen. I never cooked in one of those before. But anyway, you got to get to it. So I decided that I would do up a there was like chicken Maryland there. So I did like a yummy like roasted chicken Maryland with um a like pumpkin 
and some Brussels sprouts and bacon. And so you cook, 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 cook. Stressful, stressful, stressful. Got to about 15 minutes before. I was like, right, time to pull out the chicken. So I pulled it out, thought it was done. Uh, oh, as we're going, they're like the people that are going to judge you, they're like producers and like food people. They're like heads of the show that aren't like the judges on the TV. They're like the people behind the scenes that also run the show. And they're, run, they're going around the whole time and just asking you what you're doing and like just like watching you and checking you out. Anyway, I pull my chicken out and they run over and they're like, that doesn't look cooked. And I turn it over and it's not cooked. So, of course, like, this happens and, um, like, I feel like three TV cameras and two sound, by, sound um, mic booms run over to my station because, obviously, I'm where the action is because I'm looking around and nearly everybody is pretty cool, pretty calm and collected at this stage because I shove my chicken back in and turn the oven up as high as it'll go. And pray and pray and pray and pray. Anyway, we get to the end. I literally place it was, it was literally like oh, I could show you like this happens on the TV show, and I thought this would never like when you're watching it. It's like oh yeah, this is kind of like phony and like you know, kind of staged. But let me tell you, when you've got an hour, and I was making every last minute of that hour cooked, like count, I was placing that chicken out of the oven and onto the plate with like 10 seconds to spare. Anyways, literally exhausted by the end of it. Exhausted. In tears. I was, I can't remember when I was crying, but I was crying. I think I was crying. When my chicken was raw, when my chicken was undercooked, I was crying. So then the judges come around and they like judge your food. And my chicken Maryland in the um, center on the bone was raw. I served up to these people, these food critics, these people that have like eaten so much food. I served them up raw chicken. So while they're judging, the cameras are also still rolling while they're judging. I'm in tears. I'm in absolute tears. And then after they judge you, they um, send you to a room. So one by one, like whenever they go through the judging. And I was about halfway through. And by this stage, everybody knew that I served raw chicken. I was the crier. I was this young 20-year-old that came down and served these people raw chicken. I was I was a mess. I was a, like, how would you not be a mess? When I'm telling you that, like, this reality stuff can really mess with you, um, start, like, mess with you, it seriously can mess with you. Because... At that moment, I wanted nothing more than to be on MasterChef. So, when, and that's the thing, you tell your family and they're all rooting for you as well. So, it's not only just you, it's also like the fact that at home you've got people like super excited and rooting for you to do really well. So, when you get there and you cook up and mess up and serve out raw chicken, you're 
you're like I was just beside myself. So anyway, I come back in the room and everyone's like super quiet and I'm like, so I so you have to like tell everybody it was raw. I was upset. Anyway, these lovely these lovely couple of ladies, they were super kind and super um just super super comforting. And anyway, um, I was for sure that I wasn't getting in. I was like, because everyone was like, oh, who's going to get in? And people were still sure that I was going to get in. I was like, no way ever would anybody go through if they served up raw chicken. Like, they didn't even eat the chicken. I think they picked off a little bit that was cooked on the outside. But they cut into the bone. It was raw. So I'm like, no way am I getting through I should just walk out now and save the embarrassment. I've already done so much embarrassment to myself. Anyway, lo and behold, like the last one comes in and here's the thing. This room, it's just white. It's just a white room with lots of tables in it. No clock. So, and that's the thing. You can't bring your watches. You can't bring your phone in or anything like that. I forgot to mention that. You can't bring any of that in because like that could be classed as cheating or anything like that. See, here's the thing. You've got to, You've got to cook from your own head. You can't be using recipes or anything like that. That That's how I should have put this at the start. That whole, like, stick of, all oh, these people on these cooking shows use recipes. That's, well, I can stand for MasterChef. You, they do not use recipes. Well, they don't use recipes to get you onto the show anyway. You've got to literally show your merit. You've got to show skill. And you've got to show what you can do. And what I can clearly do is cook raw chicken for these people. So anyway, I was I was ready to go home, and I mean it's a long afternoon. I, my afternoon session was I feel like it was two o'clock start, so you had to be there by like one thirty. And by the time the cooking was done and everything was that, it was pretty much close to six p.m. And so they announced the people. They called. Uh, all the names, and they called mine. So I was like, okay, well, I'm guessing these people all understand that they too are not the ones getting picked. Lo and behold, I get picked to go through to day two, which is the next day. Yeah, that's right. The guy that served up raw chicken got to go through to the next day. So for anyone that was in my group back then, five years ago, who feels dirty because I served up raw chicken and I got to go through to the next round. I do apologize. Clearly, they really liked my Brussels sprouts with bacon and breadcrumbs that were crunchy and delicious because they did rave about them and said they were really good. They said that they really liked everything else except for the chicken. And... My, this is going to sound so wanky, but I guess my personality and the fact that I was a crier and I was a great crier on, t- on camera meant that I got to go through to day two and show that I can actually cook to the standard that they want. So day two, you have to bring all your cooking in. And oh, a lovely, lovely group of ladies and gentlemen and I all got some drinks afterwards to celebrate because, I mean, I needed one after that. Are you kidding? That was, 
a roller coaster of crying and it was it was pretty it was pretty cool. So I was feeling on top of the world. And day two was everybody that um, got through on the first day comes back, cooks their own food on the second day. So I cooked this yummy pork dish that I cooked uh, that I used to cook all the time at home. It's really yummy. And so, yeah, so I was cooking and um, a, really, a lovely girl that I met on day one, she was cooking, she was Scottish, and she cooked haggis in an hour. And I got to try that on the second day, so that was really cool. And um, opposite me was the actual end-up winner of that season cooked right beside me. So that was really cool. Anyway... I didn't end up getting through. They didn't like it as much as um, they, I guess, liked my personality. So I didn't get through on second day, which was a bit of a bummer. But I had so much fun. And I mean, it was just it was just a, such a fun thing that I could say that I did way back in my t- uh, when in my early twenties. Here's the thing: I get I'm I still I a year or so after. See, I didn't I did go back the following year and didn't get through on the mystery box. It was a whole different uh, new kitchen and new setup and everything, and I didn't get through. And I was a little bit bummed the second time. Because I thought for sure that if you got through on the first day of the last year, they'd just put me through on the second day of the next year. But they didn't. So I was a little bit bummed. And a little, like, I was, my, my little ego was bruised a little bit. I, won't be, I will be honest. My ego was a little bit bruised the second time I came back. And so I decided then that it was kind of like a wake up. That my cooking style wasn't at the level that they want for their TV show now. See, back when I first auditioned that first time, MasterChef back then was like home Abender cooks going on TV and becoming these amazing cooks that were chefs. Now, I'm seeing the ads for the new series, which I haven't, I haven't watched the last couple of series. I don't know if I'm triggered by it or anything like that that or I'm just not interested in cooking TV like that anymore but I just haven't watched it but now they're cooking at a level that's like chef quality but they're not chefs yet so it's like mm, that's just not my style of cooking at that level see I like to cook simple like bold flavors I like to cook with I like to cook with skill and I like to cook with finesse but I like I don't like to overcomplicate things. Back then I was overcomplicating things more. And now my food tastes I feel like it tastes better. It's more refined, it's more fresh, it's more fun. And that's the thing. For a little bit after I did it the second uh, when I was 21, I came back and they didn't put me through the second day. I for a while there, both times actually, and actually all three times where they didn't put me through for a couple of months there at least, and for the last time, I think it was only six months, I really did kind of fall out with food and I didn't cook and I didn't enjoy it as much. But now I love it again and 
I don't think you could pay me enough money to go on a reality cooking show now. I'm just, just not in my wheelhouse anymore. But all power to anyone that wants to. And for the main part, it was just so much fun. Oh, and here's some timbits. People may think, oh, I'm going to go on a... Because here's the thing. This is an extension on last time. This is any reality TV show. I'm going to go on a reality TV, reality TV show and I'm going to be rich. People on reality TV shows don't get paid barely anything. They get paid less... They get paid less than minimum wage. They literally just got it. They get paid enough to pay the bills. And that's all. That's all. They don't get paid anything else than that. And it's... It's a real... It, it was really interesting. And for someone, as I said, that really... Last episode, that really loves TV and was really fascinated by the whole reality TV side. It was really cool and really eye-opening to be a part of it and be known. I'm probably, I'm, this might be tooting my own horn, but I probably imagine, I, I know from when I returned the next year, the same people there, they said he was he's the guy that cooked the raw chicken. I bet you I am part of folklore auditioning in Australian MasterChef. I have to be. No one else would serve up raw chicken to these people, and then, yeah, for sure. I'm just imagining this around. I might be tooting my, I might be completely tooting my own horn, and might be just doing nothing else than that. But I betcha, I betcha, because I know when, I know when they said they like they say some funny things like you know, oh, don't do this because so and so's done that. Betcha. Which is kind of cool. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with being folklore. I mean, it literally fits into what I do right now, which is literally just share all my f- um, fails in life and all my just times where I've just had so much fun that I've like just laughed and enjoyed it. Because at the end of the day, even through all the tears and all the not getting in and all the little egos getting bruised, it was a lot of fun. Would I do it now? Mm, probably not because I've done it done it three times and three times a charm and third time's a charm so I wouldn't do it again but I mean it's something just fun to now that I could share on this podcast right all right so that's enough reality tv chat and I might even end up having more tidbits that I remember later for this but let us get into some quick news now, I think I've, I'm pretty sure I have labelled this before, but I'm not, I'm not right across the news. Sometimes I get my news from my Amazon. I can't say her name because she will beep and everybody else will beep. But I generally get her to give me some news briefings in the morning. And some days I'll come out and I'll be like, guys, like, have you heard about such and such? And they'll be like, Troy, that happened like two days ago. You're... Your A lady, which I'm now going to refer to because I can't call her the name because, again, everybody's will beep and then they'll be annoyed. So my A lady sometimes is behind on the news and then I get messed up. But now I sometimes listen to news podcasts as well in the morning, little 
little bite-sized ones. So I've been doing that lately because I genuinely don't get to watch like the nighttime news and get across much that's going on. But anyway, Julian Assange, he, that whole thing that kind of came up. So we're not going to delve into Wikilinks and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't know Julian Assange, look him up, look look up Wikilinks. I actually don't actually fully know what Wikilinks is or does. I feel like it's just like a, it's like a internet portal where they've like leaked things. I mean, the name's in the title, Dartroy. Anyway, he was arrested for, I don't, I'm actually not even sure what. I feel like there's a couple of different charges that are up for him. All alleged, of course. But anyway, he fled to this um, Ecuadorian, Ecuador, I'm going to butcher this, excuse me, Ecuadorian embassy in London, which, this is going to make me sound so dumb as well. I thought he was in Ecuador for so long when they used to talk about him because he's been talked about on and off. He had flings with Pamela Anderson at some point. Um, there's been times that so many times where they've tried to kick him out because the Ecuadorian people must, they allowed him to stay there for so long. But anyway, that's been cut off now and the British police just ra- came in there when they had the right to and arrest him. Now, here's the thing. He's been in there for... Um, I'm looking on my note. Oh, it doesn't... I didn't write it down. He's been there for nearly 10 years. I feel like it was 2012. So, what's that? Seven years. Yeah. Seven seven to 10 years. Something like that. Do not get... Disclaimer. Do not get your news facts from me. Please go onto Google and do it yourself. But, yeah. But here's the question. Why wait in an embassy for this long to only get arrested? It's like preemptively going to jail and then going to jail. Because if you don't know, he couldn't leave the home. He's paler than a ghost. The photos that come out, he's got this big giant white beard and white, white ghost white hair. He's pale, he's pale, pale, pale. And so he's pretty much been locked up in an embassy for all these years, and then, allegedly, he could be locked up for 10 years in jail, up to 10 years, or something along those lines. So why? I don't I don't have the answer. I'm asking this question, but I have no idea what the answer is, which is why I'm asking, obviously. Why would you not just bite the bullet and, like, organise your legal stuff, Julian? Like, running away from your problems does not fix the problem. Clearly. This is a very clear example of running away from your problems don't fix them. They just stay there till they kick you out of the embassy and then they arrest you and then all this stuff is going to happen. Allegedly. Possibly. It's all up in the air at the moment. So, Julian, you made... A long, long, long mistake. And who knows what's going to happen. But, I mean, being stuck in an embassy seems like it was... It it seems like you were just going to be there for forever. But it don't work like that. Your little getaway scheme does not work forever. And 
the law always catches up to everybody. So, all the best for you, Julian. Alright, so elections are happening at the moment. Australia's finally called an election. We're going to the polls in May. I'm pretty sure it's the 18th. Hopefully I get my dates right and I don't remember it a week later and then I don't vote like I did with this um, 12 months on my podcast. But I don't want to talk about my election yet because nothing's really happened. Some people fumbled with sausages, which sounds really innuendo sexual. But all that happened was I saw on the news a clip of um, some high top pollies like at a Sunday barbecue and he tries to get the sausage out of the container and it all falls on the floor. On the floor. We kind of make a mockery of our politicians around here in Australia, if you aren't aware already. I mean... I mean, we saw another guy eat an onion. That's right. This is not the first politician to eat an onion for the cameras. A second one that doesn't. And guess what? Here's another question. I don't know why they're eating onions. Is it... It's clearly, like, ridiculous. But anyway. India is also holding an election. Their polls run for five weeks. No, no, not their campaigning. Their polling time. Their polling is five weeks. And you want to know why? Because there's over 1.3 billion people in India and around 500 million of them are expected to cast their votes. There's 900 million enrolled. 900 million. Into perspective now, that's one-eighth of the population is ready to vote in one election. One-eighth of the whole population in the world. Think the US election times two times three. Something along those lines. Or around 20 times the Australian election that's happening now at a similar time. 4 million election officers to manage... I didn't even say her name. I said election. And the A lady in the corner over here just buzzed. What's her problem? Mind you, mine goes off sometimes really randomly. Does anybody else's do that? I sometimes worry. I've had my A-lady for since Christmas. And I've never discussed this yet. We're going straight in, in the mid-Indian news stories talking. And she just goes off at random times. And sometimes she'll start playing music from Amazon that I've never even asked her to play. It's really freaky. Let's pinpoint on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spread that out on the other episode. Anyway, 4 million election officers to manage 1 million polling stations. Really cool. The last cool fact is more women than men are expected to vote in the Indian election. I mean, go India. Five weeks is such a long time to poll. Could you imagine the time it takes to count 500 million votes? 500 million. It just seems astronomical, does it not? And you might be thinking, Troy, it's been 40 minutes and how have you not talked about Game of Thrones yet? That's because I've never seen a single episode. Game of Thrones, when it began hearing about, talking about, it it was like those real cool, like edgy kind of people that knew about it. Like when it was first out, season one. It wasn't really popular back then. Now I feel like it's so oversaturated I'm kind of just kind of see I've never gotten into it I see clips and I'm like mm, it just doesn't grab me in 
Am I missing out? I feel like I might be, but honestly, don't feel like I am. In a way, I just like I've I've there's so many of these TV shows that I've just kind of been and gone now, and I'm just like, well, maybe at some point in my life I will get to it, but if I don't, well, what am I gonna do? But yeah, it feels like it's it feels like it's gone peak, and now it's gone super mainstream, and it's just so in your face, and yeah. And now it's now it's kind of like the opposite way where it's like, it's, I guess it's still it's, to people that don't to people that do watch it. I'm probably super annoying right now to you because I don't watch it. But yeah, just don't watch it. I have no interest in it. I'm not into any of those kind of like real gory stuff either. So I don't think it's gonna be for me. But maybe at some point I will give it a go. I mean, a couple of episodes ago, I couldn't watch Dr. People Popper on their podcast, so I don't think that um, Game of Thrones, actually, I don't think Game of Thrones would be up my alley. And yes, I just made correlation between pimples and Game of Thrones. That's right, I went there. And I had no expectation of ever going there until I just did. All right, last up, Snapchat. Actually, I might do Snapchat on a special bonus. I might do bonus Snapchat because we're going to wrap it up now, actually. We're going to wrap it up now. I'm going to do bonus Snapchat, I promise. We'll do special bonus Easter Snapchat. Because, honestly, I could talk about hot cross buns for 20 minutes. <laughs> actually, we'll talk about now. We'll talk about it for five minutes, talk about it right now, and then we'll wrap it all up. And we might do, like, a little bit of special at the end of the week because I do want to get into more of an end-of-the-week cycle of releasing and not at the start of the week because it suits me better anyway that's boring jargon hot cross buns they're the best the best part about easter and i've never fully appreciated them until this year see i'm not a easter hot cross bun purist i don't like traditional hot cross buns whatsoever i don't like the ones with heaps of fruit in them and yuck 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 a Australian supermarket, Woolworths, this year bought out two limited edition hot cross bun flavours. Banana and caramel. It was, mm, I'd give it a 4 out of 10. And raspberry and white chocolate. And let me tell you, it was a 10 out of 10. I'm talking... You put it in the microwave because you put them in the freezer when you get them home so they stay fresh. And then you pull it out of the freezer, you put it in the microwave, you cut it open, you put it in the toaster for a little bit just to make it, just not to get it actual toasted, but just enough so it's like really warm and a little bit crunchy, just ever so slightly. And that white chocolate is all melted, these little white chocolate bits, and you slather a little bit of butter on it. And I'm knowing making every single person listening right now hungry. And I apologize. And let me tell you, oh, it's so good. And then I bought some brioche ones. And I bought some traditional, not traditional, fruitless traditional. So it's like spiced. And oh, they're going to be all so good. And I only, I bought so many because I only fell in love with them a couple of weeks ago. Because, I mean, they're out at Christmas time. But I always just ignore them. And I think, oh, why are they out at Christmas time? It's Christmas. Why are the Easter stuff out early? Rah, rah, rah. I was one of those until this year when a couple of weeks ago I had the raspberry white chocolate hot cross buns and I was changed. I was I was converted. 
And then I realised that after Easter, the hot cross buns are going to go away. So I had to buy two packets. So over the next couple of weeks, I can slowly decrease my level, my eating amounts of hot cross buns until they're gone instead of just them being gone. I know it's, I know, I know, listeners, I know it's delaying the gratification, the, um, the sadness and resentment, but I just had to. I fell in love and they were going to take them away, so I had to buy some. And unpopular opinion, I don't love Easter egg chocolate. I actually really do not like it. I'd rather, whenever I feel like it, just eat a block of chocolate. I don't need to eat and unwrap those little eggs in that little paper. Oh, irritating. And the chocolate in those bunnings, bunnies is terrible chocolate. I know. I, like sometimes the lint, they do have lint chocolate, which is nice, but it's just fiddly and it's just, oh, I just don't like it. But I'm all about the hot crust buns. So, if you're one of those people that don't like the fruit ones and have really like sworn away from them, go out and investigate because there's some amazing flavors. I'm talking cinnamon and apple. I myself don't love the chocolate ones because I feel like they're just too, I don't know, there's something about them I don't love. But find some exotic flavors and don't be, and if you are a Easter hot crust bun purist, Relax, try something new, because let me tell you, these flavors are amazing. And if I haven't already made you hungry for a hot cross bun, I feel like my job hasn't been done. (laughs) But anyway, that about does it for me this week. I can't thank you guys enough for sticking around for 46 minutes of jibber jabber and if I did fall asleep halfway through I guess it might make for better content than what I put out I don't know I'll find out because I'm pretty tired now I'm pretty buzzed after this which is good because I'm not going to bed early tonight I've got to go and pick up my sister from the train station because she's coming for Easter so that'd be cool love that she gets a shout out she gets a shout out again she's probably going to listen and love it but, yeah, so I'm super buzzed about that. So, um, I won't be tired now, which is good. All right, I'm really rambling now, so I'm going to go. Please, 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 please do what you need to do. You know what you need to do. I don't even need to tell you. But, you know, five stars, iTunes, follow on Instagram, Real Raw Random. And i will catch you guys next week which i can say now because i am on a roll of weekly episodes so i will catch you guys next week can't wait for that and thank you for the year that it has been and i cannot wait to see where this podcast will be all right catch you guys next week